one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We're in episode 55, which is a particularly wonderful episode for me because five is my favorite number, and now we got two of them in the title. Um, we, we've got a bit of an interesting one uh, prepared for this. Topics, you know, again, got some, uh, well, starting off with a nerdy one, but we, we maybe have some, uh, some, some life stuff coming up after that. Um, segment two, uh, we didn't do movie night, but I've personally been doing a lot of um watching of kind of old not older really but tv shows from the mid 2000s and i might want to talk about those blue's still been playing final fantasy and then for segment three we've got a brand new thing that um we've never tried and have kind of talked about a little bit and uh i think that it might actually be kind of interesting we've got a choose your own adventure book that we're going to start trying to go through so Mm. uh yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. But that being said, very excited for that. Segment one topics. Um, I have been playing an inordinate amount of Morrowind over the last month. Um, you have. I haven't seen you like this whole week. <laughs> I've been assuming it's been work, but no. Little do I know. Well, it's Kaiser's it's been, been a, on his couch. It has been a very busy work week. But after that, like when I finish work, I'm like <laughs> tired. I'm like, you know what I want to do? I want to watch an old TV show on my tablet, and then sit down and play some Morrowind. I want to go and sit on my couch and be a cat boy, is what you, is what you meant by that. <laughs> Wait, are, they, are Khajiit even in? Oh yeah, they're in there. Yeah, they're in there. I've okay. never played sure. a Khajiit. Although, there was, um, I had a friend in high school, a little um, side story there. Yeah. By the way, uh, Morrowind has a bunch of different fantasy races. So oh, this like, is the yarn thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think you've said this on the podcast. I before, probably have. Maybe yeah, not. yeah, yeah. There, there, I mean, there's elves of three different varieties. There's um, a couple different human varieties: the Imperials, three? the Red Guards, the Nords. Yeah, yeah. Light elf, high elf, dark, dark elf, dark elf, dark elf high elf, and uh, wood elf. And then, I always just think high elves and wood elves are the same because they're both no wood elves are the pricks. sneaky ones that are good with bows. High elves are magic. Yeah. Okay. Um, humans, you got uh, red guards, Nords, and Imperials, um, and then you get the weirdo races, which is like <laughs> whoa, the, whoa, whoa! The Khajiits. The Argonians are the best race. The Khajiits and the Argonians, the lizard people and the cat people. The dragons. Um... No, Actually, I suppose they're not technically dragons because there are dragons in that world. They're iguanas, or maybe <laughs> like anoles. I mean, no. Closer to fish because they can have unlimited breath underwater. Yeah, um, but don't anyway, tell anyone that. <laughs> Morrowind is a game in the Elder Scrolls series. They've got, um, you know, the, the original ones were very low tech, old PC games. Um, Morrowind is where the series really started to pick up because they had mm. it came out for the original Xbox and the PC. It was all in 3D, a little bit janky but i played the crap out of this thing when i was in uh, high school um a few of my friends were into it too and uh, then they they went on from there they made oblivion they made skyrim skyrim's probably the most well known of the series at this point oh yeah skyrim was definitely where it picks up um for the masses but i still don't think i think uh, i have only played two of the games and i've only heard of three of the games mm. so the only experience that I have with Morrowind is experiencing the land of it through Elder Scrolls Online. Because that's where it's set, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it? Elder Scrolls Online, it, it 
it's the one that is it has the least depth but it allows you to go to the most areas so yeah. every other game has you go into a specific region so morrowind is actually the north easternly most region of uh the 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 I think it's called Tamriel, the whole continent. Yeah. And Oblivion is set in Cyrodiil, which is the capital, which is right in the middle. That it's was the my heartland. first game. Uh, and then there's Skyrim, which takes place in Skyrim, which is in the northwest. <laughs> um, yeah, they really, they really just threw ideas out of the boat for Yeah, when one. they got to Skyrim, they were like, let's just name it after where it's set. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they did that with Morrowind, too. Um, the middle to be fair, one. Oblivion's just the name of hell, which you go to a lot in Oblivion. In, in Oblivion, yeah. But the rest of the game is set in Cyrodiil, which is the main yeah. location. Um, but no, I've been like, so the background of this, and it it almost became a joke for a while, because I got my hands on an Xbox Series X, you know, the mm. brand brand new shiny console, the also known as the Microsoft fridge, because it's just this giant monolithic cube. Um, it's a good console, it just looks weird. But what do I do on it? Like, I try it out with some next-gen games, play those for a little bit, and then I, I realize on my bookshelf, I've got my original Xbox copy of the Game of the Year edition of Morrowind, and I'm like, oh, I wonder how well this runs on it. Because in the original Xbox, the load times were atrocious. Because yeah. it was a so piece... it doesn't look any nicer than it did back in the day. It does, actually. Does it? They upscaled the resolution. Oh, hell yeah. So I had to download a 15 gigabyte patch to play it. Right. Is oh. it like, uh, what kind of, if you're talking like Oblivion, Skyrim, what oh, it kind of level of graphics? No, no, it's nowhere nowhere near those two. Oh, no, near, nowhere near Oblivion. It, it, it still looks like an original Xbox game. Right. But it's at a higher resolution, and just the it's, it's less blurry, the edges are more crisp. Mm. I mean, the graphics are still of its era like yeah. it's not they, they didn't like fully remake it like if you played it on the pc you can download mods that like make things look nicer give it much higher resolution better textures all that fun stuff but this is the best you're going to get on playing it on a console unless you modded the console but no matter how effective graphics get i'm still going to turn off motion blur every single time <laughs> well and, uh, it's a good we'll... news it didn't exist in this game Nice. What's the other one? The the light refraction one. Oh, um, um is it lens flare or that could be? I think it's lens. Chromatic. It's just like sudden aberration or something like that. Sudden, blindingly bright rays of light hitting mm. you in the face. Boom, or bloom. 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 You're thinking. Of I said boom. I did say boom it. at first. I meant bloom. <laughs> boom! It's bloom. Amazing. <laughs> boom! Flashes of light. Those are explosions, not graphical <laughs> settings. Um, but no, like. I, it took me a little bit to get, to let like to get used to the the, the lower tier graphics because we are talking about a mm. game that came out almost twenty years ago, um, but once I did like I found myself really getting sucked into the story again. There's a lot of reading in this game. There's some minimal voice acting, like you'll people will talk to you in the street and certain key events will be voice acted. But for the most part, it's conveyed by a text window. You click on a person, a big text box pops up. You have a list of topics you can talk to them about. You click on them, and then they talk to you, and you might get some dialogue options. But it's all silent. So that that's something. It, it does take a little bit longer to get through. But the game itself, 
once you start getting into it, the lore and characters and stuff are a lot deeper than the other later Elder Scrolls games. Yeah. Um, so, like, Oblivion was fully voice acted. And it it did well with that, honestly. It still had some of the depth of Morrowind, but it didn't, like, it it didn't, uh, what was it? So it's some of the depth of Morrowind, but it did lose a little bit because they had to pay voice actors to talk through every single dialogue line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Skyrim went even further with this, where the, the character development and the deeper lore is a lot more shallow in that game. Um, but the gameplay is probably very, well, it, it's more, it's the least clunky of all of them. See, I'm a serial scene skipper. Um, I th- There are games where the lore has fascinated me, but most of the time I want to read that in a half-hour YouTube video instead of a uh, five-year-long epic of reading text in the game. Uh, one thing that I think would make me stop and actually read things if is if games... And they do occasionally do this, but very rarely. Mm. If games gave, like, bonus loot things in the dialogue, they're like, oh, by the way, I buried a casket of treasure under this tree in Elmswood. Morrowind um, does this. Does it? Yes. There's a awesome. character that I... in Because I, I played this game extensively. Um, one of the things um, my best friend in high school and I... Like, it's not a multiplayer game. There are mods that came out later to allow you to do multiplayer. Um, Mm -hmm. But what what he would do is, like, some days on, like, a weekend or, like, on summer break or something like that, he would literally... We had this old shitty TV that I would drag up to this other room, and we'd have two TVs. He'd pull his Xbox and bring it over to my house, and we'd just play Morrowind in the same room. Yeah. And just, just fuck around and like, oh, hey, look what I found. Hey, look what I found. And I used to, like, really not pay too much attention to the dialogue and the lore in that game because I just wanted to, you know, dick around and play. Yeah. Um, so th- this is one of the first times I've really kind of dug deep and actually started reading into things. And for the first time, I discovered a character. It's Khajiit in this small town you can't fast travel to. You have to actually walk... This is the, in Morrowind, there's not, like, fast travel based on waypoints. You have to actually go up and hire, like, transport to get between the towns if you don't want to yeah. walk. Yeah, okay. Um, and there's some places you can't do that to. So I was in this place, and I encountered this this one person, and it's this weird, like, creepy cat lady who just, like, asks you to do some random favors. And if you do them, eventually you can go over and, like, oh, share a secret or share a care or something like that. It's usually fairly easy things she wants you to do, and once you do them, she's like, she'll go like, "Oh, by the way, this person in this obscure location in this city has a key hidden in his wife's bedroom drawer, <laughs> and so if you go there, you can get that key, and that un- that key unlocks a bank vault with a ton of like awesome loot in it." Wow. Now, granted, you still have to find a way to get around all the guards in that bank, but. If you do, you now just have a key. If you've got the key to the vault, then you can just be like, "Take me to my vault." No, no, because they—it's—it's it's a noble family's vault, so they know that you're not supposed to oh, be going okay. in there. I don't remember this fish person being an elf. <laughs> but that—that's just one example. There's a lot of them in the game. With like now that I'm actually reading the dialogue, I'm noticing a lot of other things where they're like, "Oh, 
it doesn't get like a, a quest marker. It doesn't get a journal entry. It doesn't. They're just like in the lore. They tell you these little tidbits, and mm. they actually are something that's actually valuable if you actually follow up on them. Right, so Morrowind has a ton of that. Oblivion had a little bit of that, but not much. Yeah, I do remember reading. I think most of what was said in Oblivion. Maybe it's because I was younger and I had less games that I could play at the time. Yeah. But when it comes to the, like. Obviously, I've started Final Fantasy, and I was reading the text for basically up to the point where you and Delicia got accounts. So that was like a, a good week. Yeah. And so I was reading it all, and then there were like some characters introduced that I just didn't care about. It was more vapid. Yeah, and like even now, I am level 57, so I'm like three levels off the maximum amount for me. And the main quest is still giving me quests where it's like, go and talk to eight different people in this city to recruit them. It's not yeah. like, go off, fight dragons, it's fetch quests and, like, those kind of things. So, when I get to the end of those quests, they're just going to be talking about, like, ooh, now our linen is prepared for the new recruits. <laughs> and it's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> if, you want, if you're going to give, uh, I don't know. You were pretty enthusiastic about linen on the uh, way out video. <laughs> yeah, that's fresh in your mind, isn't it? I it said is. the linen thing because there was literally a point where I had to pick up like army uniforms, and I'm like, I'm the hero of this universe. <laughs> yeah. Why am I picking up uniforms for people? Well, that's the thing. Like, the it, it do you get a little bit of that even in older games? I'm doing like some side quests um, in Morrowind right hmm. now, just trying out some of the other guilds that I didn't follow. But in, like, one of the guilds, like, I'm I'm the supreme commander of, like, the Guard Legions in Morrowind. Yeah. And I'm also, like, the head of, you know, the Fighters Guild and stuff like that. Yeah. And yet I'm doing fetch quests for the Mages Guild to bring this stupid cat lady flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's like... There's a little bit of a, a juxtaposition. Like, there was, a, there was a guy on the road who's a scripted, like, he's gonna rob you. And I'm mm. like, are you threatening me right now? Do you see how glowy my armor is? Like, I'm, I'm walking around in this tank of, like, god armor and... Yeah. So there, there yeah, is a exactly. bit of that. But... The, um... And, and I think they're fine. Those quests, I'm happy to have them in the game. I think they give some, uh... What's the word? Diversity in the types of objectives that you do rather than just go outside the gate, kill the nearest three squirrels, and come back. Yeah. Uh, but I think they should be relegated to, like, level 15 and below. So there's, Not level 56. <laughs> there's something that I, um, like... The, Morrowind, I... More than any of the Elder Scrolls games that came after it, Morrowind mm. has this amazing ability to, like, be perfectly fine with letting you break it. Yes. I've heard about the uh, Shoes of Jumping. There's also the levitation spells. You can get these scrolls that increase your acrobatics to a thousand, so you can jump across the whole continent. But if you yeah. land, you will die, because it only does it for three seconds. Those are um, the shoes I was talking about. It's not a shoe, it's a scroll. Oh, okay. You get three scrolls. Early on in the game, uh, if you're walking down a path, you hear this guy screaming, he falls out of the sky and, and yeah. dies, and he has those scrolls <laughs> Jesse on him. Jesse told me about that. And you can read his journal and talks about, Hi, I have finally proved my critics wrong. I shall test this tomorrow, or something like that. 
And, um, you know, there's also a levitate scroll, so you can literally walk to the final boss the moment you get the ability to levitate. Yeah. And nothing's stopping you except for the fact that he is going to kill you. Is it not like, um, I know a lot of Skyrim fast, what's the one, run, uh, I can't speak. You know when you try and complete a game really quickly? Speedrun. Speedruns. A lot of Skyrim speedruns. Uh, they say, we're going to beat the DLC boss super fast. Hmm. And they are like, glitched their way into the guy's lair. But because he levels according to your level... Yeah, that's not a thing in Morrowind. They can kill him at like level three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in, in Oblivion and Skyrim, one of the things they did was they made the enemies in the world level proportionally to your level. Which I think sucks. It does. Way. In Morrowind, you, if you walk the wrong way and end up like in an end game kind of area, you can go there. You'll die in mm. two seconds, but you can go there. Um, I mean, it didn't suck the first time I did it because I wasn't aware of it. And I, I, the first thing I, I did on my second playthrough though was go straight to the Colosseum. Yeah, where everyone loves the Colosseum in Oblivion. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, the arena. I fucking love the that arena. Place. The one. Yeah, yeah. And I just like, level one. Wiped out all the enemies in there, got a bunch of XP and weapons and armor. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Oblivion, so the, the way they did it in Morrowind, nothing scales to your level, pretty much. So, mm. and I, I kind of like that it's more because... more MMO. It's, it's more realistic. Like, if you're in, like, a weak, low-level area where there's a bunch of rats and crabs and stuff, you're going to be fighting mm. rats and crabs even when you're level 30. Yeah. Oblivion... They semi-scaled it, so even if you go through the arena at level 1 or something like that, you're going to have a bit of a rough time by the time you get to the end of the arena, because they it's not they, they don't scale them up as fast, but they, there is a bit of a, a scale-up to it. Um, I mean, I, I, I always go with bow and arrow when I'm playing Oblivion, because that shit's broken. Oh yeah, yeah, so um, do I. So do I. And like, yeah, I think I one-tapped the, the, final, the final boss like level three with the colossus and then i went onto the oblivion portals fighting the demons in their demonic armor yeah and they would drop like you know wooden sandals well that's the, the thing it's because and that, that the the loot is scaled to your level or is it well so you I hated that so what skyrim i think was the worst for this and it got really annoying when you'd get to really really high levels where you're walking down like a country road where there should be nothing and you're getting hmm accosted by like level 38 demon trolls it's like what the fuck are they doing here yeah and they're only there because that's your level it i i i do not like that system um no. and you'd think it'd be because people would be like killing really weak mobs and just dominating them which is why they wouldn't like it but no i was disappointed because when i went through the game again i was looking to challenge myself hmm. by going after the harder mobs earlier and, and you can't really I just do couldn't that. because they were just weak as hell. Yeah. And in, in Morrowind, like, I've I've done that before. Just, like, you can set off in a direction and just, if you go take a wrong turn, you're going to fight something that's way above you. Um, and the other thing, like, with, with Morrowind... I should probably stop talking about specifics in this game because there is a point that I'm getting to with all of this. Okay. And that's that... Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I, I was going to give a point, and then I burped. Um, in in Morrowind, they there's something that's kind of been lost when you go from when you watch the progression from Morrowind to Oblivion to Skyrim. You you right. get 
and it's a pattern a lot of games have gone through you get some things better like the gameplay is smoother it's more accessible like anyone can pick it up and play it and have a good time mm. but with those older games like you got more satisfaction out of mastery like in morrowind you can like work your way up and through a clever combination of game mechanics not glitches you could make something that is truly like broken and over you can become like a some kind of a you know demigod basically mm. just through you know cleverness and how you use the game's mechanics you can also get like pieces of equipment that you could literally never sell like you could pick up a piece of armor that's like at it's worth 320,000 gold but no one in Sorry. the game has that kind of money in oblivion you really couldn't do that and in skyrim it's even worse like there's the the money proportion of like how much a, a thing is worth like in skyrim i don't think there's a single item you can pick up that you can't sell to someone for like a reasonable rate because the value isn't that high and i didn't like that because in morrowind when i found some kind of exciting piece of equipment some exciting piece of lore that's like oh this is this ancient three thousand year old thingy it costs mm. like you know two million gold no one will ever buy it from you because of how expensive it is but then you go into skyrim it's like oh you found this legendary dragon artifact it's worth three thousand bucks <laughs> well that's the thing that um the two things regarding that first of all uh when i realized in oblivion how much demonic armor sells for i was in and out of those hell portals like there was a fucking sale on oh yeah um it was brilliant, honestly. And I'd go in there. I'd barely be going in there for the orb, even. I was just going in there to loot their armor. <laughs> it felt kind of bad by the end. Well, I, um, I, sorry, go on. Did you have more to that? And oh god, there was something else that you're talking about. Wait. So my the the general point that I was trying to make, maybe this will jog your memory, is that as you watch these games progress, and as you watch a lot of video games progress. You're gaining accessibility, but you're losing some of the the deeper like skill caps. Like you, mm. there's there's less satisfaction in actually mastering and becoming good at a game and understanding it. Really, uh, you know, getting into what you can do with its mechanics. But as a trade off, now more people can get into it, and more people. It's it's becoming. It's becoming. A base level of fun for a lot more people, but at the cost of the deeper satisfaction and fun for the few that really enjoy that type of a game, if that makes yeah. sense. So, the things that I... Well, first of all, I think the true measure of the value of how good a game is are the memories that you keep of it long after you finish playing it. Right. And I have a ton of those from Morrowind. I have very few from Skyrim and a decent amount from Oblivion. Well, I was going to say, the experience I have from Oblivion, the things that I enjoyed the most, top of all, being the Thieves Guild. When you do that final quest awful. and you get that fucking... Uh, yeah, with the hood. boots where you fall down the... Yeah, well, you, and then no one knows when you have the and hood on. And if yeah. anyone sees you in the world, they'll just fucking attack you because they hate the something fox. Yeah, the... Uh... I can't remember his name either. Um, it, but it you're is right. Fox, it is it? Fox. It is Fox. I don't yeah. remember the first name, but go on. It's like the Night Fox or something. Yeah. Um, and the second best thing in that game was the Assassin's Guild. Oh, yeah. And it really did feel like the, the flavor text that they gave, the missions that they gave for that, the house party. 
I will never forget that mission. That is one what of the best mission. quests in that entire game. Absolutely. There's another guy you drop like a, a mounted stag's head on a dude. So, so for reference for people who don't know, because this is such a good thing and it, it, it's worth describing. In yep. Oblivion, when you, you join the Dark Brotherhood, which is an assassin's guild, mm. um, there you get to play out basically an Agatha Christie novel. Where you are, where you are the murderer. Where you're the murderer, and you, you like. There's all kinds of different ways to do it. You can, you can poison people. You can trick yeah. people into thinking somebody else is the murderer, and they'll kill each other. Like there's, there's tons of ways to do it, and it's just such a fun quest. It is. It's a brilliant quest, and so that 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 was why I love the Assassin's Guild was the, all the the creative different ideas. With the Thieves Guild, the fun part. Was that I don't know if you have this memory, but I certainly do. I was very strong by the time I got into Thieves Guild because it took me a while to work out how to do it. And when I was walking around the Thieves um, quests, I was crouching, I was like sweating around each corner, shitting myself trying to unlock each door. I'm like the most powerful person in the fucking continent. Yeah. But I was like, but where's the, the skill sense of tension of not being caught by the guards? And occasionally you'd find like a a hidden passageway behind a wall when you touch a candelabra or something. Um, except normally I'd find them after I'd already looted the building and <laughs> I just happened to come back there one day I was like, oh shit, this would have made life easier. That's always the way it goes. <laughs> um, but yeah, those, those are the memories I have. Those are the best memories I have of the Elder Scrolls. Skyrim, I don't really have any great memories. Um... Yeah, I played that game a decent amount, but I never really, um... Actually, one of my favorite memories from Oblivion, thinking back mm. on that. So, Blue mentioned that Oblivion was a place, it's basically hell, and you go into it quite a few times during the game to do these quests. And you you can close these Oblivion gates by taking an orb at the, the top of the tower. One of my friends uh, played, I think, 500 hours on one character in that game. Which, just by the way, the only thing those orbs were good for was selling for 5k. Go on. <laughs> he never sold a single one. Really? And he showed us a, a fun trick. That if he dropped 400 of them on the ground, his Xbox 360 <laughs> would freeze and crash because of all the... Because they all had particle effects and they all made a weird woo oh, sound. Oh shit, how did he get 400 of them? He never beat the main quest and just kept closing gates. Jesus. They, like, you get one. They never stopped spawning. Right? He played the game for 500 hours on one character. Jesus. Like, yeah, the for context... Each portal orb, you'd have to spend about 20 to 30 minutes, right, to get one. And that's with, like, running past guards and stuff, like, because you don't bother with guards after a certain point. To, to be fair, this, this this friend that I have is, um, well, he, high school friend. I actually haven't talked to him in a couple of years now. Um, mm. But he is one of the most, like, obsessive and talented people that I know. Right. Like, he will decide he wants to do something, and he will become amazing at it. It sounds and like the guy never from Let's Game it Out. Not, not so much. A little bit less chaotic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember when I got a house in Oblivion, there was like three things I'd do. First of all, all the potions I had, I'd try and fit into one cabinet. And these <laughs> things had collision. <laughs> so it was just a mess. Um, and then the other thing was that <laughs> any skooma... 
or like special wines I would collect in like a special cabinet. Not because they did anything, but just because, because it was kind of gangster. I always collected every single copy of the Lusty Argonian made that I could Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like these weird little habits you pick up in the game. But but that's that's when you um, know like for an RPG specifically. Like there there's yeah. plenty of other game games out there and like everyone has their own like one that is going to be something that they really, really enjoy. But for RPGs you know when you have a really good one when you find yourself doing things that have no tangible benefit in the game but yep. that just you enjoy so like yeah. collecting a random book completely pointless you don't need that book at all you can leave it on the ground yeah what if- it's just like seeing your own marker of how much progress you've made based on how many lusty argonian maids are on your bookshelf <laughs> one of my friends he never had he never actually ended up buying a house in the game. Yeah. He stored all of his stuff by dumping it on a beach in the docks at the uh, in the the capital city. Yeah. Like every time and he does got it, not despawn. It doesn't despawn. Doesn't despawn. Yeah. So he showed me one time, and it, the game would lag whenever he'd walk out onto the beach because it was just covered in all this, and it was like rare shit, like glass shields and armor and enchanted yeah. shit all over the. place. It's just rolling around on the beach. <laughs> oh, there's the, the the skull of Raoul rolling past. <laughs> um, yeah, speaking of, like, collecting stuff. Yeah. So, on Final Fantasy, I've kind of given up on the main story because, oh, God, it's just fetch quests at the moment. That is unfortunate. And I've switched to collecting mounts because they're really fucking hard to get. Uh, and as you've seen over the last couple of days, I've been sweating it out in party raids trying to get rare drops. Yeah, I've seen that. I got a special mount from the casino, which was worth a million MGP. And my god, it took me ages. Uh, this is the one you've seen. It's the... Uh, I was about to say Ifrit. It's not Ifrit. Fenrir. Fenrir. Awesome wolf. Two complaints about it. One, his head is... Super small. Yeah, I remember. I was in the call when Adam pointed that out. <laughs> it's strange. Um, he's like this big ice wolf with three tails. He's beautiful, apart from the head. Yeah. For, the, for those uh, that don't know Norse mythology. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going <laughs> to go on. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I mean, you described it pretty much. In Norse mythology, Fenrir is the, the son of Loki, and he's a giant ice wolf. Ooh. And the second complaint I had was that... And this is going to sound really whiny and stupid, but you got to see it to believe it kind of thing. Yeah. The particle effects that come off this motherfucker when you're flying are just... There's so many. And because he's an ice wolf, they're, like, white. They're really bright. So flying along in the dark in-game, it's really quite hard to see what you're doing. So this is something, and I think this is probably something we can probably end this segment on, because it's something Hmm. that has perpetually annoyed me. Annoyed me particularly about new games. And that is... When, when like, trying to make graphics look prettier actually makes the game harder. I don't even think it's meant to be pretty. It's just sparklier. That, but... Hear me, like, well, that that's it. You're like, oh, it, it'd look cool if this wolf was putting out these white particle effects under his feet. Look, he's <laughs> running on the sky. And you, you get Too that... <laughs> you get that with some games... 
what was the... I can't think of the example I was just thinking of, but an alternate example is StarCraft 2. A lot of professional players play that game on the lowest settings possible. Because it gets yeah. rid of all the particle effects, gets rid of all the glow and lighting effects. It's very visually obvious where my units are and everything. For a competitive game, that makes sense. But I've I've seen that in other games too, where like just because of the graphics, I'm like I can't see shit. Yeah, I and I, I I've I looked up online how I could because Final Fantasy, bless its soul, has a deliciously extensive options menu. Uh, and I mean, like, you could even change whether the sound comes through and what sounds come through when you're tabbed out of the game. Hmm. So useful for someone who's going to be tabbing in and out of YouTube videos, that kind of thing. I was looking up how to remove particle effects from a mount, and you can remove particle... Yeah. <laughs> particle effects from your character and from other characters, but you can't remove them from mounts. And someone else was having the same issue. They brought it up in a forum. They were like... How can I kind of reduce this? It's kind of, kind of blinding, uh, and the responses this poor bastard got were so. Oof, he got attacked by the Final Fantasy community. I'm sorry. I love the game, but <coughs> some of the hardcore fans who are trying to protect, uh, was it Squeenix? are just a bit too strong with their language. Like, these guys were like, if you're trying to... If, if those tiny little particle effects are, are ruining your, the game experience, then you shouldn't be playing the game. And it's like... Alright, well, <laughs> you there you go. Me? Let's chase a player off. No, I... I this That's is something ridiculous. I... Alright, you know what? This will be the last thing I want. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. But this is something that has always pissed me off about forums. I can't count the number of times that I have had an issue with a piece of software, with a game, with something else, and I've tried to look it up, and somebody else has put up a forum post that's identical to my own, and their response to that post is just a whole bunch of people judging them. Mm. Not not judging them in the, the modern sense of just giving them honest, honest criticism, but judging them in the sense of, why the fuck are you posting this? Just look at the manual. Why? What the hell is wrong with you? This is perfectly fine. This is a this yeah. is a great part of the game. It's like well, clearly it's not a great part of the game because this guy doesn't like it. Yeah, and it, a... I don't think it's saying that only like I don't think that I'm particularly. I don't have um, fuck. What is it when like sparkly particle effects set people off? Epilepsy. epilepsy. I don't have epilepsy. I just find this thing. I'm regular person who finds it really freaking annoying and i would yeah. like the option to not be staring at like a million fucking sparkles flying out of fenris colon while i'm flying through the air i i had this argument with a friend god it was 11 years ago now but i still remember it and my <laughs> argument was like so i was playing bioshock 2 i want to say okay Is and that I was going to say, is that the underwater one? But I guess they're all kind they're of all underwater. They're all underwater. Bioshock point. 2 <laughs> yeah. is... Bioshock 2... So Bioshock 1 is the ultra-libertarian capitalist one, and Bioshock right. 2 is the communist one. So both of them uh, are a commentary on, you know, horribly extreme societies that just make everything go wrong. It's the one with Big Daddy on the front, isn't it? They both are. Oh. Okay, in the second one, in the second one you play as a Big Daddy. <laughs> doesn't matter. My complaint has nothing to do with the game. My complaint was, I was playing. I decided to play the PC version because I had a good gaming PC, 
Mm. And the Xbox was in the living room, and a lot of other people used it, so I wanted to be able to play it myself and not have to keep other people occupied with me playing an RPG, right? Because, you know, I was in college, and we had six people living in the dorm. I didn't want to hog the Xbox. Um, and I was so pissed because the game didn't have controller support on the PC. And I'm like, it's on the Xbox for the controller support. Just fucking copy-paste it. It's Windows. They're both Microsoft. It can't be that hard. And one of my friends was just like very flippant about it. Just like, oh, but you bought it on the PC. You should play it with a mouse and keyboard. It's just the right way to play it. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I think Th that kind of attitude pisses me off. Because it's like, I don't get how hard would this actually have been? Like, I bought this knowing that there's dual support for a lot of things out there. It's out yeah. for both systems. I, like, Microsoft makes the controller that plugged into the PC. Why didn't they think to do this? And so, like, in my thinking, was it was just, it was a very, very lazy thing for them not to have implemented. And, um, yeah, but I, I, that's the vibe that I get from a lot of forum posts like that is somebody ask a legitimate question they bring up a good point and somebody who just has a chip on the shoulder is like nah f you what you're asking for is stupid yeah uh there is definitely a line between people trying to support the developers and people trying to start a fight for the developers it's it's uh, a difference between like people who are legitimate lovers of a game and people who are fanatics and purists yeah and uh, you've seen we've seen it very recently with the World of Warcraft thing, where oh, a lot yeah, of World of Warcrafters have followed Asmongold over to Final Fantasy, and there were tons of backlash from the Final Fantasy fans and community, mm -hmm. where they have said, "We do not want you in our game. We are going to follow you around, and repeatedly try and like get in your way and get you banned." You know what the Final Fantasy devs did? They watched Asmongold stream, and they banned every one of those fuckers that tried to get in his way. Good. And I think that's excellent, because well, that, that's they a good want attitude. to support their game. They are the real adjudicators of what's wrong and right. I think they did a great job. I, I mean, that that's the smart way to handle it. Like, the, the smart way to handle toxicity in a community is to, like, take that kind of a stance. Like, Final Fantasy showed that they're they're willing to be, like, an open and, like, welcoming kind of environment. Like, new players mm. want to come over here? Come on in. And there have been a wonderful number of... Uh, I don't think we've <laughs> emphasized this enough on the podcast. The community in Final Fantasy has been fantastic, in my experience, so far. Yeah, oh yeah, same. It's been the same for me. Like, every time I've been playing around, like, people have genuinely been pretty chill. Hmm. Like, I'm not used to that in online games. No. Like, not everyone is, obviously, but... To be fair, like, I... I came up... Online games playing RTS and playing FPS. Halo. <laughs> yeah. ha Halo, the very first competitive game I played... Oh, the very first game I played competitively online was Age of Empires 2. Mm. When I was, like, 8 or 9 years old. And then after that, it was, um, it, yeah, it was Halo, and it was uh, eventually StarCraft and stuff like that. And League yeah. of Legends especially. That game is toxic as fuck. But 
Won't dwell on, on that bombshell. Yeah, I won't dwell on this too much longer. But but it is it's a very refreshing thing to encounter a community in an online game that is very very chill. Hmm. I like that. Anyway, that's going to be the end of segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again momentarily for segment two. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We are on segment two, our media segment. We did not do movie night this week, but I have been watching a lot of TV shows on my tablet while I have been playing Morrowind, which we just spent the entire last segment rhapsodizing about, as well as Mm. other games. Um, So there were two. I've been watching a little bit of Doctor Who, a little bit more of that, and I thought I'd lead off with that because... Which episodes... So I'm, I'm, I finished up the Donna saga. Oh, okay. And I started watching the the, the you movie. Started on the decline. <laughs> well, I, no, no, no. I've started watching the movies that are between Donna and okay and the the Doctor Train because I really like the David Tennant movies after Donna finishes too. Yeah. Um, Have you rem- seen the the Torchwood series? I haven't. The thing is, I, I s- think you'd really like them. It's one I've always been curious about because it ended early. Like, it, it got cancelled, but it actually looked like oh. it would have been pretty interesting. Yeah, there was... So there's the Torchwood, obviously for adults only. Yeah. And then there was the Sarah Jane Adventures. Did you ever hear of them? Hmm. So, do didn't you remember she... Sarah Jane? I, I do, but didn't she die? Like, is that what uh, cut that series off? I think the real actress died. I think she might have done um she was in the episode most recently where it was the um the school with the uh bat yeah but she no she also shows up in the final uh the final two episodes yeah yeah yeah, with the daleks um but she used to be a companion way back in the day when she was young yeah it's the same actress yeah uh yeah she had her own spin-off series where she and k9 yeah the little robot dog everyone loves k9 uh, went and did their own kind of thing um, in the attic. Which is why, like, in the Dalek one, you I'm... see her in this attic with her son. And then they've got and... the big computer that pops out and everything. Yeah. I was wondering if that was, like, kind of a spin-off thing. Because it, it seemed like there was a lot of lore there that I had no yeah, idea about. I that. assumed it was from the 70s, but I didn't realize it was another series there. No, it's quite recent. Okay. Um, but yeah, like... Sarah Jane Adventures was alright, but it was a bit childish. Torchwood, holy fuck, when I watched Torchwood the first time, maybe I just watched a scary series, but it went into, like, the the world had been basically taken over, right? Mm. And the, the rulers, the new rulers, were like, right, every so-and-so many days, you have to feed us some of your children. Okay. And, like, it was fucking dark. And the Prime Minister was like, fuck you, I'm not giving you my child, when it came to his daughter. And so he ended up, like, shooting his family and himself. Which, like, by the way, whew, that is the correct response from a, like, from a, like, a parent. You yeah. Don't feed your, you know, like, don't feed your kids to a monster. At the same time, though, he was happy for everyone else's kids to be fed, so... That's the fucked up thing, is, like, when when you're okay with it being someone else's kid, but you're not willing... 
but but then like when it comes to you then you then you get all like up but you should have been angry when the first child was like requested by the monster yeah um anyway that was a great series it wasn't like a single episode it was like an ongoing series um and yeah so they were really freaking creepy really quite dark um and they kept me gripped honestly um um so, so that if, might be worth watching instead of going on. <laughs> I'm saying I, I, honestly, I'd I'd like to watch the Torchwood series because it's it's one that I was always curious about because I've always loved the idea of like spinoff series to sci-fi franchises that I've enjoyed. Like for instance, mm. um, the Battlestar Galactica series, the one that started in 2005. It's four seasons long and it has an awesome ending. It the whole series is awesome. It is awesome from beginning Wait, to end. What's it a spin-off of? It's not a spin-off. Oh. It right. has a spin-off. Okay. And the spin-off is called Caprica. And it's set um, like like uh, 20, 30, 40 years before Battlestar Galactica. And it's about okay. how the first Cylons were created and how um, they they kind of became self-aware and um and relevant and then they they went off and rebelled against their creators and stuff it didn't air for very long i think it got one or two seasons before it got canceled but the few episodes i saw that were pretty good and i like i Mm. liked the the lore of that universe so i wanted to know more about it yeah i mean that's the classic thing with prequels when you get to a conclusion that you're happy with the only real way you can go is going beforehand yeah and then working out like um uh, Darren Shan's Cirque du Freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard those books? No, I have not. The the Vampire Assistant books. Um, yes, they did this very long story. Uh, many books. Lots of people loved it, and then they were like, oh, we kind of finished the series. Let's talk about the guy's mentor when he was a kid. And so they had the Larton Krepsley books. Yeah. By the way, I read this when I was in school. Which was like half my life ago. I still remember the guy's name. <laughs> so it was a good series. There, it's one of those things that c- it can be done well and it can be done poor. Another book series, the um, Song of Ice and Fire series, which are better known now as Game of Thrones, yeah. um, which is the name of the first book. Like I was reading, you always been, mention that whenever you bring it up because <laughs> it annoys the fuck out of me. I like Song of Ice and Fire is a cool fucking name. Game of Thrones yeah. is a cool name too. I agree, it's probably better for TV, but still annoys me um so like because i've been waiting for almost a decade for the sixth book Mm. uh in the meantime he put out a prequel that was set 300 years before the first book during the war with like the dragon lords and when they were still in charge and all that that fun stuff and i actually was reading through that it's pretty good i haven't finished it um like i got the book a couple years ago and that was right when i when i started my current job which is right when i basically started to have almost no free time and i've been meaning to get back to it and actually finish the book um but the first few chapters i read it was like oh this is really good and it's it's fresh content in this universe done by the original author and done well and that's that's something that's because a lot of the times when you get spin-offs or prequels or things you end up having it be made by someone who isn't the original author or somebody who doesn't have the proper kind of respect for the original work that i mean the perfect example is 
these these are it's kind of old hat now but the the new star wars movies specifically the new trilogy because there are some of the new stuff that came out of star wars i'm kind of jumping onto a completely different thing here but <laughs> it's like different. rogue one that was a star wars movie that was it was sort of like a side story tied into the main storyline and it was amazing i fucking loved that movie but all of the new movies that are part of the main storyline the first one was kind of a meh retread of the original movie and then the other two were just dog shit. The second one was dog shit, and the, the third one was dog shit that was trying to make sense of what the first two did. Like yeah. it, it was very clear watching those movies that they had no idea what the plan was. So that, that's an example of doing it wrong. But this, mm. this book that I'm talking about for, in the, the Song of Ice and Fire series, that's an example, I think, of doing it right. And what you just talked about with that other series, exa- again, example of doing it right. I just yeah, there's 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 ways you can do that well, ways you cannot. I kind of went on a tangent there, but <laughs> that's all right. Something something I noticed, <laughs> and this is brushing on the political, but it's something right. that I think because Doctor Who is a British show, it it seemed perfectly reasonable. But as an American watching it, I I laughed out loud when I saw this. Mm. It was um. So the the Dalek episode, right, where they've got they're invading and the, there's all these news reports going on. Are and, we talking about the one with Sarah Jane and the other dude? Yeah, and everyone's all together, and they're all okay, and yeah. so there's a news broadcast, and um, they're talking about people going to negotiate with the aliens and stuff like that. Yeah, and the the lady on the news broadcast says two things that made me bust out laughing. One was citizens of the world. And the second was the UN Secretary General was the one that negotiated with them. And I fucking lost it. I'm like, what kind? I mean, maybe it's because Britain was part of the EU when this got put out. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> no. The head well, of the-, the United Nations sounds like a powerful big thing, so the kids would be like, oh, the United Nations, that must be the protectors of the world. Yeah, exactly. In reality, they're a bunch of bureaucrats that can't get shit done. <laughs> it would have been like, it, in real life, the, the head of the UN wouldn't be anywhere near that negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> and second, there are no such things as citizens of the world. Well, no, she's just talking to the citizens of the world. No, no, it would be people of the world or something. Because you're not a citizen of the world. I, I I can't just walk into, like, you know, Canada right now and be like, I'm a citizen here, too, because it's part <laughs> of the world. In, 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 a, in a story where there are multiple worlds with multiple races, I, I don't know. think it's... And I, I it's do, I do realize far. that they were, they were simplifying it for children. It is but, cheesy, though. But but my my cynical adult mind saw that and just laughed. Would it have been better if she'd said citizens of Earth? Of Earth or, like, people of Earth. Okay. I think people of Earth would have been less ridiculous. Okay, yeah, because it's, it's less of a legal thing than a more of a just, you were born on Earth. Yeah, because when you say citizens of Earth, that is a legal and political term. But when you say people of Earth... That's more of a like a moral and philosophical and you yeah. know literal term. It's like you're Tight. you are a person on the earth. One thing that I will never forget from that um, particular episode, which is just hilarious to me, 
It's when they switch to Martha Jones. About to go into one of these uh, towers in Germany. Hmm. And there's a Dalek flying by saying exterminate in German. In German? I was thinking that. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't everything <laughs> get translated? It's like exterminagen. Exterminagen. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. I know. I re I remember last. <laughs> yeah. No. I I just saw that 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 episode last night. So uh, it's fresh in my memory. It's funny. I uh, think I, that could be the wrong word. I'm not sure. It's been many years. But. I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm not. I actually don't know the word for exterminate in German, but I think it's exterminaten. I don't think that it's inagen. Yeah, yeah. It's either inagen or inaten, and I. Yeah. But even like as a kid, I was like super engrossed in the story, and then they flew past saying that, and I just cracked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it also kind of flies in the face of the lore, because in lore, like because she'd been in the TARDIS, she should have been able to understand exactly what they were saying in her native language. Uh, maybe she speaks. No, she does speak German. We know she does because she speaks. Oh, she yeah, YouTuber. that's right. She talks it to the lady up there. But that's not her native language. I don't know. Yeah, who knows how the fucking thing works. But, but also, yeah. the TARDIS wasn't there. Also a good point. Yeah, um. I don't know. There, there's a lot about that episode that's that's good and that's cringe. I did like the the point they were making because they were really leading up to kind of a, a dark ending. And they, they did it very well. Like showing how all of these clever people that the Doctor had been with they're all now willing to sacrifice their lives and cause immense suffering just to kill the Daleks. Yeah. And, like, you can see it, like, when they, 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 the, the Daleks can confront them about it. It's like, look, look at the army of soldiers and killers that you've made. Yeah, when Sarah Jane pulls out the neutron star diamond. How the fuck do I remember all this? Yeah. Uh, and she's like this kindly old lady. She's like, oh, we've got this massive bomb, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then what's going to happen? And Martha Jones has got the fucking key card Lost that blows the up the key. earth. Yeah, why it's, do I remember this shit, man? That's not even English. I mean, it's a good, it's a good episode. It is. It it's is. A good it episode. really is. It's not so, as good as the master, but nothing will ever beat the master. No, no. Well, that, I'm almost, I'm almost there. So there's then there's the episodes after that. They've got the one where he goes off into the desert, and then they've got one where he um, he's on Mars. And this is where they really start to, like, show his kind of descent. So, The Waters of Mars. It's an episode where he ends up on Mars, and he ends up on the first colony on Mars where everyone is supposed to die. Like, the place detonates, and no one knows why. And it inspires a bunch of people to go to Mars, and finally, at the end of the episode... Oh, this is the one where, like, the people with the water gushing yeah, up they, their the water constantly. gushing up their yeah, faces. Yeah. And this is where he decides he's going to break the rules. He's like, there, there are fixed points in time and things have to happen. And he's like, fuck it, I'm going to change him anyway in the end. And he, yeah. he has this moment where he's like, you know, I'm literally a god. Like, I've changed time. And, yeah. and um, like, you see the horror in the humans' faces when they, they like, the, the woman sees this. And... Um, it, it haunts him, and that sets him up for the next episode, which is where the Master returns, the next movie. The mm. end of time, where he, he comes back. And that's where the end of the David Tennant era, where they, they transition to Max Smith. But I, I love... I, I do have an appreciation re-watching it, and knowing how it ends, how they kind of set all of this up, and show him slowly kind of descending into this um, darker state of mind. 
You know one loose end that always bothered me? Yeah, yeah. It was the episode where the Doctor um, had his hand put into the, the cloner thing, and he gets a daughter. And yeah. she, at the end of that, she comes back to life with, like, regenerative Time Lord powers. And she never shows up again. She flies off looking for him, and we never see her again. I agree. Like, I liked that episode. I really yeah, liked that episode. Cool and she was a good character. Exactly, she was a good character, but she never comes back again. Yeah. Especially because she'd been, like, implanted with half her brain was like, I need to fight and kill people. Well, one of the things And the that... other half was the Doctor's gone. So, the other thing is, at the end of the David Tennant era, when he's kind of looking to see where everyone is at the end of it, he mm. does a brief stint visiting, and he, he like, going and seeing where everyone is, and he, he finds, yeah. like, uh, Martha Jones and uh, Mickey from the first series. I hate well, Mickey. He develops. He's, honestly, I have the same problem with him that I have with the dude from yesterday. The, right. Yesterday, the movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got it. I got it. I was just trying to work out how the. But but they're they're connection. both fucking like meek pussies that don't actually ever just do yeah. anything. Like, I mean, maybe it was because as a young kid, I did have a crush on Rose Tyler. But yeah, Mickey was just always a massive bitch. He <laughs> like, really even was... when he was being cool, he was just being cringy. He he got to it later though in the um in the episode, the the most the, the like the last one when we're getting to yeah. like the uh, the bit the end of the Donna era. Then yeah, he's he has a bit of a redemption there. He's he's clearly gotten better. And the part that I'm talking about in the movies, he's turned into come some kind of like a special ops person with Martha. Yeah. And I kind of would have liked to see... Yeah, they end up dating. Yeah, I know. I, I kind of would have liked to see them show up again and be like... Ugh, no, they're <sighs> two of my least favorite characters. Really? I, did, I, I didn't mind Martha Martha. Jones. Mickey, I could I could do with him never coming back, but... The Mickey episode, where it was the alternate timeline with the Cybermen, the, like, the... the e not evil Mickey, the... He, Ricky. I'm just going to call name. him the cool Mickey, because that's he was what he was. Ricky. He was an, he, Ricky, that was it. Ricky was fucking cool, right? He was. I would have loved to see more Ricky, but he died in that episode. That dude got shot. Yeah, so it's like, it's not the actor's fault, it's the role he's been set in, where it's like, ah. Oh, yeah. He could have been so much Like, better. clearly the actor could play a more competent, like, kind of person, with mm. a little bit more gravitas, but the script didn't call for it. Yeah, I guess they needed a, a bootlick kind of, yeah. I don't know. And I, I don't know what it was like. The other thing I, I noticed, and this is something that it started in the Donna season, I think started getting really bad and it started progressing further. Like, you know, David Tennant in the later seasons that he was in had a very, had a style that was very over the top and running around and like, oh yes, yeah. and I'm going to do all this. Energetic, yeah. Very energetic. And it, it worked for him, and they kept trying to go with that as if that was the key to his success later on. With the Matt Smith, they certainly did, yeah. yeah. They were going for a fresh, rejuvenated And pun, I, pun. I, I don't think that, that that really suited him. Because David Tennant had the ability to, in some scenes, like he was over the top and jumping around and everything, but then when, when a scene called... For like a stern kind of gravitas, he was able to pull mm. that out. Matt Smith couldn't do it. Yeah, 
Uh, and don't get me wrong, Matt Smith had some good lines. He like did. The, uh, the, 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 the Churchill one, hmm. where they're defending London from Daleks. Yeah. And he goes up and he's like, I've got a self-destruct button here that'll wipe all you fuckers out. And they're like, that's not a self-destruct button. You're right, it's a jammy dodger, but I got hungry on the way here. <laughs> <laughs> like... There's so many great lines. He he has some and good some lines, but, funny, and and they're but... they're the good lines that come when he's trying to make his bring his own take on the character, not trying to imitate previous ones. Yeah, fish fingers and custard that was going around for fucking months. Honestly, I think I that would actually probably taste out. pretty good. Really? Yeah, I, I'd eat that. Okay, I mean that's kind of like Coke and milk, which I guess isn't actually too bad. But well, I, I wouldn't have that because I hate soda. But yeah. still. But my, my point is, I feel like they kept trying to recapture the magic of the first two seasons. Like, the first two eras, when they went on after that. I think their move after Matt Smith to go to Capaldi was the right choice, actually. And not just because oh, Capaldi's a great actor. What you're saying about them getting too energetic, they slowed right down with Capaldi. They're like, this is an old... Yeah, it's like deeply traumatized man. <laughs> instead of instead of having a young, youthful, over the top actor, we're gonna get an angry old Scotsman. Like... Yeah, like a complete one eighty. <laughs> yeah. And I think the choice of Doctor was perfect. I, d- and I think I do. the choice of Jodie Whittaker was also a brilliant choice. It would have been I we said this earlier when we, we went on one of our other rants about this. Like, mm. Jodie Whittaker is a she's a pretty good actor. Actress, mm. whatever who cares? And if the writing had been there, if the directing had been there, she probably could have done something good. But by the time, even at the end of the Capaldi stage, like the writing was so stale that even he couldn't salvage it a lot of the time. Yeah. The Doctor is a very important tenth of Doctor Who. And that's it. Well, yeah, exactly. The people forget this but if even if you have if you have a movie that has like a, a main cast right of like mm. 20 people and there's a main actor that one main actor maybe 10 to 20 percent of why people are there but all the rest of the surrounding actors the dialogue the writing like all of that is going to have an effect on it mm. it's a beautiful chocolate cake and a quarter of that cake is just mold ridden yeah, and it ruins the rest of the cake for everybody. It really does. Um, because even then, if you find the clean part of the cake, how do you know the mold isn't there? Yeah, well, like if you have like tiny bits, like maybe the sound design is off, or yeah, I don't know, the character, the the, the aliens don't look very realistic. That's like a tiny little bit. People don't really care if they eat a little bit. Well, like, it, but vid- it's you see so with, bad you see that no with, one will you see it. this with video games. There's there's a threshold. With mm. video games, like, there are times where I'm like, okay, I can forgive it crashing. Like, I, I beat all of Cyberpunk when it first came out. The yep. game would occasionally crash. I'd get graphical fuck-ups. People would merge into buildings. One of the, In a very emotional cutscene, a guy had a gun sticking out of his forehead. Like, Wait, what game? Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, okay, right, yeah. <laughs> it was glitchy as hell when it first came out, but the story was so good. The gameplay was mostly fun. Like... Mm. I was willing to forgive these little tiny things that were wrong with it because for the most part it was good and it, it was clearly like a labor of love. Yeah. 
by the time you Which get... most people couldn't see, by the way. I'm glad that you were able to see past it. I, I also played on the PC. The console versions, from what I've heard, have been were, were like tremendously worse. Like if you tried right. to play this thing on a PS4 or an Xbox One, you basically mm. were playing a slideshow. Right. So on the I I had a I was lucky enough to have a PC, and to have a, a PC that PC. had a, de- a yeah. decent. Well, at the time I actually I had a, a 1080 Ti, which was a five year old graphic card, mm. and it it was a powerful graphics card when it came out. Again, it was still able to run the thing. I was I was getting like thirty to forty FPS, which isn't a lot, um, but I was able to play it at like decent graphical settings. But again, it was the writing and the gameplay that carried that game for me. I really enjoyed it. It it was clear that the game was well crafted, and I think that's what they lost in the later Doctor Who seasons was they had the talent, the acting talent, they had the budget but they didn't have that care to detail. They didn't have that level of craftsmanship to build a good story. Yeah. There was no platoons of Jadoon from the moon. <laughs> uh, and they didn't like have that. those silly puns. Yeah. And you hate puns. And the fact that you can smile and laugh about that is, is means that they really did that shit right. Yeah. Um, but what were the movies that you said you watched? So after the Donna... The, uh, right. episode ended, right? Mm. There was an episode where the Doctor is on a bus with this uh, girl and gets transported to a desert planet. That's not a movie, that's part of the... Well, it's a it's a film, it's a special. Okay, it, I'd call that filler. <laughs> that, one, that one is more filler, but, but the yeah. next one is very important in the story, and that's the, the Waters okay. of Mars. Yeah, again, what's it, the it, Mars didn't give me a great impression it but it's a key story bit because especially because of the ending it shows his Mm. progression wasn't the person that he saved a bit of a bitch Mm. i just remember not liking her like she was a bit of an asshole she well she wasn't the no i actually i think i i I think that's the wrong impression of her she was someone who was in command like she was responsible for the lives of her people and he was just somebody who had come in here and done things flippantly and she didn't like that kind of no-nonsense attitude when people's lives were at stake. Yeah, but she was, like, annoyed that he had saved her or something like that. I can't remember the exact details. So the, the reason that... And this will be the last thing that we, we talk about in this segment, because we do have a fun thing for segment three. But she was annoyed because he had spent a long time convincing her that he couldn't save her and the rest of her crew because they were their deaths and everything were a fixed point in time. And their deaths were what were going to, like, cause the humanity to reach out for the stars. It was an inspiration. Like, we're not going to be set by this. We're going to go out and we're going to do all this other stuff. And then when he saved them and he was cocky about it, like, haha, I saved three lives. She's like, but what about all the rest of that? Like, what about humanity? What about all these other things that you said would happen? Like, What happens to us now? And she was disgusted with his flippant attitude that just, like to make himself feel better he'd changed history just to save three people mm. and so she kills herself oh fuck yeah she does doesn't she and, I mean, there's something and that, that and that pushes history back onto the right timeline and that's one of the things that you can see in him the reaction he's deeply disturbed by that action mm. um and that 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 starts the setup for the final series of movies and that's the uh the end of time thing where the master comes back and the time lords come back and all that other fun stuff yeah 
That's what I'm about. Doesn't he get like the deserts? Not deserts of not the water of Mars. The desert one on the bus. Yeah, it planted the dead. Deserts of the dead or something like that. What was it? Or it doesn't he get an assistant from that or like? Not in this. Not in this. It's it's more of one of those like temporary assistants. Like he, uh, it's this woman who's like a uh, she's she's a gentleman thief essentially. Yeah, and um, I think it might have been. I might have thought at the time because it very much lends itself that that she might have been the next assistant. That might be why I was thinking about it. It does seem like she's going to be, but that doesn't happen. That is how he gets Clara though. Later on in the Matt Smith era, he finds Clara as a separate entity in another episode. And she's it seemed... a friend of hers, or something. Maybe no, but no, no. That's that's well after. The... We're we're talking like a season or two after this. You may be getting a few things mixed up. But... I am. I'm thinking about um, River Song's original form, who was a friend of Amy. You're right. Yep. Yeah, it's fucking weird. <laughs> they they do fuck around with the timeline a bit, quite often. Yeah. Which, in a show like this, that's kind of the point. Yeah. Anyway, let's yes. let's end it there Sorry. because I am eager to get on to the next segment because this we is going to be. We always talk about Doctor Who, can't we? <laughs> oh, we really could. I I don't know why because I like it wasn't this wasn't a series that I was super into until like 2011 2012. Mm. And I knew nothing about Doctor Who, the original series, before that. Like, mm. it was just something that I kind of got into. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let, let's let's watch it. And then I... But there's a lot to say about it, I think. Like, there, yeah, there's a, a lot of fount of creativity. Yeah. There's a lot of good and a lot of bad in it. Yep. So plenty to talk about. Anyway, this is going to be the end of segment two of the TMCJ podcast. Um, thank you all for listening. You will hear us again momentarily for our stupid adventures in segment three. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on segment three, our wild card segment. And as you can see, since you are not seeing my face or Blue's face or a gameplay video, you're just seeing my hands. We are now playing a choose-your-own-adventure game book for this third segment. Now, yep. I've got some notes here. Uh, if you watched the video on the YouTube channel earlier in the week, uh, I did. I rolled out my character. Um, I did quite well with my skill. Um, I did okay Media with my okay. stamina, and I rolled yep. like ass for my luck. So uh, this is going to be a bit of an interesting adventure. Uh, but with right. that being said, my character's name is Thunderthuck. I've got the combat rules written here. This area is so I can write up a map if I need to. But let's get into it. Blue. Do okay. The character, Thunderthuck the first of his name. Yeah. The pain is unbearable. Summoning up all of your energy, you open your eyes. First one, then the other. They narrow to slits as they adjust themselves to the strain of trying to see once more, then relax as they make out familiar shapes in the dim light. A dirt floor, rocky walls, then the pain takes over, your head rocks. Your eyes submit and close tightly in an agonized grimace. Instinctively, you raise your hands to cup your face, and a low moan mingles with the rasping sound as your rough fingers rub the scaly skin above your eyes. After some time, the pain begins to ease. You open your eyes once more and peer out from between your gnarled fingers 
You seem to be at the dead end of a passageway. Your surroundings are barely visible, but a dull glow is coming from the northern extent of the passageway, which stretches before you. A sound is also coming from this direction, of irregular breathing. Something alive is up there. You have your great bulky body. You heave your great bulky body to its feet. Along your back, the spines bristle. Swinging your heavy head slowly from side to side, your progress is decided. Northwards is the only option open to you. Muscles strain and succeed in raising a lumbering foot, which thuds loudly down on the ground in front of you. You repeat the action first with one foot, then the other. After four steps, the motion has become automatic. You are moving more quickly and more quietly at the passage. When you reach the end, your eyes are drawn to a huddled sheep lying on the ground in front of you. The small figure lies on its side, facing away from you. It is shrouded in a dirty brown cape, tied around its neck, and it lies in a puddle of thick red liquid. Its body rises and falls irregularly with each breath. Some unidentified feeling swells within you. Is it anger? Hate? Fear? Curiosity? Hunger? Or even sympathy? You bend down towards the little creature, uttering a meaningless grunt as you do so. The sound rouses the figure, which rolls slowly over to face you. The creature's dirty face is light-skinned, though barely visible under the thick hair which shades its closed eyes and almost totally obscures its mouth. From its chin, the hair rolls abundantly down its chest in a grey, unruly mass. Underneath the body, and now exposed by the creature's movement, is a sharp, shiny shaft. And this catches your attention. As you stand there, staring, the creature's eyes flick open. They focus on your bulky shape, and a look of terror streaks across the creature's face. In spite of its pain, it fumbles for and grasps the shiny shaft, holding its pointed end out towards you and baring its teeth. The wounded dwarf you have just found is evidently in need of help. Will you show him you mean no harm, try to talk to him, or bring your foot down heavily on his neck? <laughs> well, he he's pointing a weapon at me right now, isn't he? So, for, for context, this guy looks like a hobo. He has got very, very bushy beard. He's got very long hair. He's got a prison shank in one hand. And he's wearing, like, leg wraps and a loincloth. Alright, so my options are to stomp his neck to help him. I mean, that's what you listen to, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Stomp his neck, um, help him physically, or to just tell him no. I mean no harm. So, show him you mean no harm. Okay. Try to talk to him, or try and snap his neck with your foot. I'm gonna try to talk to him, because, like, I'm not gonna get anywhere near this person. And I'm not going to okay. drop my weapon, because, like, the guy's clearly crazy, and he's got a shank. You greet the dwarf. At least you try to greet the little creature. But instead of any message coming from your throat, it is silent, and your hands reach down to grasp the terrified figure around the chest. He screams and makes a strange sound, which sounds like... <coughs> by Earth, Mumpf. You try to answer... But Should the only sound down? you're able to make is a grunt of effort as you, your rough, scaly fingers close tightly around the creature's chest and your sharp claws dig in. Summoning up all its strength, it swipes at you with its sharp sword, 
The blade digs in under the scales above your knee, but the wound is not too serious. Deduct two stamina points. Fuck me. The, the blow causes you to roar loudly and to increase the pressure on the cheap creature's chest. Its ribs crack like twigs under the force of your grip and the body falls limp. I knew I should have stomped this motherfucker. <laughs> you drop it to the floor, it lands like the sack of bones it now is. Your thoughts are confused. Will you attempt to hide the body? Will you examine this strange little creature? Or will you leave the area immediately? Leave it immediately. Okay. Wow, already lost two fucking stamina. <laughs> I, I, I seriously I in my in my gut I was like I should have stomped this little fucker. You stand up ready to leave the area. After glancing left and right to make sure you're alone, you turn towards the westerly passage. At least you try to turn, but your body will not respond. Instead it is bending down toward the lifeless dwarf on the ground. Turn to page three nine nine. Oh my god, am I a fucking vampire or am I possessed? I think you're a lizard person from the sounds of it. Oh, God. Also, just looking at the camera right now, I'm buying a, a like a, a good tripod for my better camera. <laughs> like, it's just, just looking at it. So I, I apologize to everyone watching for the blurry quality of this, but it's the best I can do for the time being. Indeed. Your hands relax and the sharp claws retract into your fingers. You clumsily fumble through the dwarf's dirty vestments. Yeah. Your fingers will not fit into the pockets, but you do succeed in snapping the thongs of a large leather pouch, which the creature had around its waist. As the truck ties break, the pouch spills its content on the ground in front of you. It contains several circular pieces of shiny metal and a piece of hide, which unfolds as it drops out of the pouch. It is light in colour and has markings all over one side. You pick it up awkwardly and look at it, but it makes no sense at all. You become quite fascinated by this piece of leather. You turn it round, rub it with your hands, and throw it in the air. You place it on your arm and on your head. You decide to take the leather with you. Unknown to you, the message on the hide may be useful later in your adventure. Am I possessed by somebody who's obsessed with fetishes? You're a fucking lizard, man. <laughs> oh my god, alright, so I uh, take the leather. Turn to 337 to examine the message. If you are carrying this piece of hide, you may return to 337 at any time to re-examine it, but you will need to remember the reference you have come from in order to return. Okay, so write down um, piece of leather uh, and 337 next to it. Got them both. Yep. Okay, would you I like already wrote down the leather. I didn't write down the 337, but I have them both now. Okay, would you like me to see what you can tell from it right now or do you want to continue is that an option in the book yeah you can okay i'm gonna yeah i'll examine the leather okay give me a sec gotta keep a finger on that page uh i'm not gonna read all of this it's gibberish <laughs> um underneath the writing is more but written in a different style also gibberish <laughs> Okay. okay, fuck it. Uh, I wasn't going to read all because it was like a page of crap. <laughs> Alright, let's move on. Okay, as you may have realized by now, your own wishes have little effect on your reactions as a creature. You have only glimpses of what you are like and what you are capable of. Although this will change as the adventure progresses. At this stage, you are at the mercy of your own whims and instincts. Oh god, am I... At a 
Sorry. Am I the titular character? Um, well, I was going to say that this is kind of like tutorial mode if they're guiding your hand, but considering you've already lost two health, it's not a very nice tutorial. <laughs> uh, you're standing at a junction where you may go either east or west. Roll one die. If you roll one, two, or three, you go one way, four, five, or six, the other. Two. You roll a two. Turn to 308. Oop, I almost had it. The speed of this episode will go by about as fast as I can switch pages, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you travel west along a twisting passageway. Several what was it, 338 or 308? 308. Several times you bump clumsily into the walls and grunt in annoyance, but your tough scales protect you from damage. God, I am a the fucking Argonian. Drops. No, oh my god, you are a fish person. <laughs> the temperature drops noticeably, and after, and each breath sends steamy snorts from your nostrils. After narrow, oh my god. After you're what? Like the, you're what? like the dinosaurs in the books. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sorry. How did we get uh, to another fucking dinosaur taco making manual? After narrowing slightly, a the passage widens as it leads towards a chamber. A sound from ahead and a flickering light warn you to take care, but rather than m making you stop to listen, the prospect of an encounter seems to excite you. You bare your teeth and your claws and stride forward into the chamber. Down to 205. Roaring like an enraged demon, you rush into the open chamber, ready to take on whatever is inside. Terrified shrieks come from the small party of adventurers huddling around a makeshift campfire in the center of the area. Three figures are warming themselves by the fire. One wears shiny clothes that clink as he moves. Another is dressed in red and also grows long dark hair from his chin. The third is a tiny creature with polished... Oh, it's a lala fell. <laughs> with polished hide on his chest. He has no hair on his chin, but he has plenty on his feet, which he has been holding up to warm at the fire. Your eyes fix on the smallest of the three. Your breathing gets heavier and a feeling of pure hatred grips you. Without hesitating, you stomp across and grab the miserable hobbit with your claws. Oh, it is a hobbit, okay. The other two are caught off balance and are slow to react. The hobbit has no weapon and should be an easy victim. Uh... Okay, right, you're in combat with Hobbit. I thought I picked him up. Um, yeah, you picked him up, but that doesn't mean you killed him. Alright. I guess this is still tutorial time, okay. The other two are slow to react, so you don't have to fight them for... You get three rounds where it's just you and the Hobbit. Alright, well, I'm gonna attack the Hobbit. I, I, I'm oh. attacking now, right? Yes. Uh, right, I need to... I didn't prepare my own d6s. Fuck. <laughs> okay, I have dice. I'm prepared. So, we both roll two dice. You add your uh, skill, and whoever of us gets higher uh, wins the toss. Okay. Okay. Oh, right, roll. Five. I got 11. Uh, so, what's that plus your modifier? Uh, 15. 
Okay, uh, the Hobbit gets the first hit. Uh, take one damage. Do you want to use your luck? Sorry, one goes to stamina? One to stamina, yeah. And if I use luck, I have to roll 2d6. 2d6 and, and get less it's... than a 7. Or, no. sorry, a 7 or I'm not going to use my luck on a fucking Hobbit. I'll take okay, the one right. damage. Take one damage. Okay. Okay. Uh, roll again. Eleven. Oof. Excellent hit. Uh, you slash him. Are you going to bonus the damage or... Nope. I will okay. tell you when I'm going to use my luck. Okay, yeah, that's probably the better way of doing it. Okay, you uh, cut the hobbit. Roll again. Uh, nine. Plus ten. Okay, you hit him again. Uh, turn to 86. Oh, I'm eating the hobbit. No, he's not dead yet. Now I'm just just taking notes. Kick hobbit's okay. ass. <laughs> turn to 86. Uh, wait, wait. Hang on. Did this hobbit only have? Did this hobbit only have two HP? Huh? No, you do two damage. First of all, the hobbit's not dead. I've just done enough damage to move on to the next page. No, you've not done it fast enough that something happens before you finish ah, the fight. Ah, okay. Turn Fucking to hobbit. It takes longer than three rounds. Turn to eighty-six. When you have finally killed the little creature. You must turn your attention to the other two humans. While you've been battling their companion, they have been preparing to attack. Uh, Red Robe figure is facing you. Okay, so I think you do still keep fighting him, and except now you also have to fight the other two after you're finished. Okay, so roll again. Okay. Seven. Plus ten. Okay, you uh, kill the little hobbit. Do you want to describe how you kill him? Uh, well, I don't even know what I look like. D judging from what I know so far, like, I use my little cat claws to dig into him and I bite his head off. Do you imagine, can you, do you know what Skaven looks like? No. Oh. From, it's from Warhammer. Uh, never mind. Okay, you bite his head off. Nice. <laughs> nice hobbit snack. Uh, the red-robed figure is facing you, pointing the little finger of each hand at you and mumbling. The shiny human has grabbed a sword. Similar, you remember, to the dwarfs, but larger, and is shouting to the other, Kapunter plunge singe It goes on. You cannot fight both at once. Which will you direct your attention towards? Roll one die. If you roll one to four, you decide to take on the shining figure. Uh, if you roll five or six, you focus the red-robed man. Five. Oh damn, nice. So you're fighting the red robed man. Two nine two. I like how you're like literally an ad in a dungeon. That's what you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> Your reaction is immediate. The red robed human is deep in thought and looks an easy target. You step forward and swipe viciously at him with your claws. He screams and falls to the ground, clutching at his face. You look down at the undefended wretch and prepare to deliver the death blow, but at that moment, 
You feel a terrible sting in the back, which causes you to bellow and swing around. The remaining adventurer has lunged at you with his sword and succeeded in piercing the scales and flesh on your back. You must lose two stamina points for your wound. Yeah, but I still clawed Mr. Uh, Red Cloak, Mr. Wizard, yeah. And then you can face the knight in plate armor. Uh, okay, right, you ready to roll? Oh, yeah. Okay. I keep bumping my lamp every time I roll. Say again? So I keep bumping my lamp because it's it's a touch thing. Uh, and so it keeps like increasing the brightness on the uh, thing. Uh, whoops. All right. Oh. So that's a... That's 20? a 10 plus 20. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you hit him. He takes damage. Roll again. Ooh. Oh, I said I wouldn't do any vulgar gestures. Sorry about that. Well, did you just... I just, I just I flipped off the camera. <laughs> <laughs> okay, roll again. Oh, that's bad. Five. So nope, 15. still hits him. Oh, nice. Bam. Uh, roll again. Oh, man, this guy's tough. All right, seven. Uh, so 17. Yep, you hit him again. Hang on. Yep, yep, you hit him again. Okay, I, so uh, I'm going to admit right now I was wrong earlier. Argonians are actually, like, OP. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Alright, do I need to roll, roll again? again? Okay. Oh, shit. Those completely rolled off camera. Okay, what was it? It was an 8, so 18. Okay, yep, you hit him again. <laughs> roll again. Uh, 9. Bam. You fucking... How do you kill him? Yeah! I don't know. I'm assuming he's coming at me with a sword. And I'm dodging. And I'm yep. dodging. And I'm just going in with the shank and the shank and the punch and the punch. And eventually I find a gap in his armor with the claws. They go up in the jugular. Oof. Bam. You've killed this party of miscreants. Well, miscreants. Well, but yeah. Well, just it's perfectly normal people who wandered into a dungeon where I had yeah. apparently <laughs> am occupying as a psychopath. You've become a mini-boss. Yeah, this is going to be a weird quest if I was supposed to die and then become a human after this. <laughs> um, I don't think so. They were very easy to kill. Yeah, they, they did uh, seem to be, yeah. You deliver the death blow and the knight drops to the ground. Honestly, I'm surprised the hobbit hit you, honestly. He was weaker than the knight and the knight didn't hit you once. <laughs> Technically, he did have one scripted hit against me. The hobbit? Hmm. No, I rolled the a five and a six. When I attacked the red-robed man, I took a scripted hit in the back. Oh, yeah, yeah you took a scripted hit for that, yeah. Yeah. But that's what happens when you ignore the tank. Uh, <laughs> you deliver the death blow, and the knight drops to the ground. When the danger, With the danger now over, your thoughts turn to food. The smell of the still-warm hobbit reaches your nostrils, and your mouth begins to water. You snatch the creature in one hand and eagerly sink your teeth into its sweet flesh but this will merely provide a snack for you. Inside his armor, the knight is an impossible meal, but the red-robed wizard groaning on the floor may be a new taste for you to savor. He's not even dead! Oh god, am I gonna eat this guy? Can I, can I kill him first? You silence his miserable whimpers with a single deadly slash from your claws. For the tasty meal, you may restore your stamina to its initial level. So I'm guessing you don't have any packed lunches, by the way, on this adventure. <laughs> so, yes, you can heal up to full on Tasty Tasty Hobbit and Wizard. 
I just got a, uh, sorry. Um, yeah. So, hold on. Do I have a choice, or... No, no, no. This is no, I'm just... It, an it's just, I am going to eat these people. Okay. Yes. <laughs> After you have eaten, you have you adjusted your health? Uh, wait. How much did I get? You restore it to your initial. It's a full heal. Oh, okay. Full heal. Oh, fuck yeah. Back to 17. Yeah. After you have eaten, you rummage through the adventurer's belongings. Their packs have little interest to you. The hobbit carried a miniature sword, and you find a rolled-up piece of thin parchment in the wizard's robe. All three humans carried odd-shaped lumps of doughy substance, perhaps food, although it smells of nothing to you. They also have small hide pouches containing round, flat objects of shiny metal. You cannot think what these may be for, so you toss them aside. <laughs> Why do I need gold when I can just eat people? You must now continue your journey. Passages lead off from the chamber to the north, east, and west. You decide to take the passageway to the west. You leave the chamber, your way ahead lit by flickering fire. Eventually, the fire's light becomes too distant to help, and you are groping your way in pitch darkness. Suddenly, a high-pitched twittering sound comes from above you, followed by others. You've disturbed a group of flying creatures which are now squeaking in alarm as they dart about you. You swipe at them blindly and catch one or two of them as they dive at you and scratch you with sharp claws. But your scales protect you from any serious harm and you're soon further along the passage. Wait, are these Where are these creatures? Bat what? monkeys? Uh, I don't think there was anything about monkeys, was there? I don't know. Go on. I'm just being sarcastic. Uh where these creatures evidently do not venture. The passage turns north. You follow it around the bend to the right and stop in front of a wooden door. There is no other way forward. Will you heave at the door with your shoulder? Or is there something else you wish to do? Hmm. Roll a die. If you roll one or two, turn to one page. If you roll three to six, turn to another page. Okay. Four. It's a four. Ba -da -ba -da. Oop. 101. The door cracks under the force of your blow. A hole appears, and you rip the timbers away until it's large enough for you to pass through. Torches are mounted on the wall of the room inside, and there are two doors. One to the east, one to the west. There is no furniture to speak of, but some remains. Perhaps of a table and chair. Litter the floor among a thin covering of dirty straw. The wood has been broken in and what appears to have been a furious battle, the result of which lies before you. In the centre of the room is a familiar sight. What the fuck are you doing? You're playing with a pen. <laughs> so it's just off the corner of my vision. Like, <laughs> Sorry, I, your mind I need something to do while I'm listening. Casting your mind back to the battle you have just won. You recognize the figure of an armored knight lying face down in the straw. His face is hidden under an elegant helmet decorated with wings coming from above each ear. A dark bladed sword has entered his body through a gap in his armor, between his arm and shoulder. Lying next to the knight are three other figures. One is similar in stature, but wears a tough leather tunic and helmet. A bloody stain around his belly indicates how this adventurer came to grief. The other two figures are not so familiar. They are shorter than the others, and are dressed in armour of scaly brown hide. 
They have gnarled, pug-nosed faces with vicious teeth set in their lower jaws. All four bodies are long dead. Weird. You step forward to get a better look. Suddenly you hear a chomping sound coming from somewhere in the room. In fact, several places. You cannot see anything which might make a noise. Your eyes pass over the adventurer in leather armor, and you suddenly freeze. While you are watching, a chunk of flesh disappears from his thigh. You watch incredulously for a few moments more. Not only does more flesh disappear from the adventurer's leg, but you also notice the body of one of the pug-nosed creatures twitch, as its forearm suddenly loses a fleshy lump. This scene is worrying, and you must decide what to do next. Uh, roll a die. Oh, okay. Six. A six? You head quickly for the door to the east. <laughs> oh dear. I wanted to the fight the thing. invisible air piranhas. Do you want to see what the invisible air piranhas look like? Uh, sure, why oh, not? Wait, no, I can't. Yeah, I, I they can't. They like... Huh? Yeah, I was going to say, actually, it's not going to show up on the camera, so... No. Uh, well, they looked like little implings with sharp fangs, kind of with half, like, people's bodies hanging out of their mouths. Gotcha. Uh, one, six, eight. God. Finding pages is tough. Alright. <laughs> By the way, way um, incidentally, this is probably going to be the last room that we're going to be able to do for the podcast, okay. and then we can yep. con continue this afterwards with the outro, but yeah. Absolutely. You make your way cautiously towards the door, horrified by the sight of the bodies slowly disappearing. As you step across one of the pug-nosed creatures, your foot catches something in the air. A screeching noise from somewhere is followed by a yelp of pain from you as sharp teeth clamp on your foot. Lose two stamina points. What? The Peace. shock causes you to tumble over, and this frees your foot. But as you lift yourself up, something is happening in the room. Three shapes are materializing in front of you. Ten to four, four, seven. You may have to fight them after all. Oh, man. Four, four, seven. Oh, so this is what they look like, guys. Okay. For those that can't see, because you can't see, think like a balding hippie crouched down with no clothes on and their mouth open. Honestly, vampire monkeys are pretty, pretty. Vamp. Well, I mean, I said the same thing, just with different words. Yeah, your eyes widen as the three scrawny creatures form before you. They are thin and angular and move in quick, jerky motions. Although their bodies are covered in scraggy dark fur, their bony faces are bold, with tiny eyes in the center of each face is an In the center of each face is an oversized protruding mouth rimmed with sharp teeth. These vicious little flesh feeders live on carrion. While feeding, they make themselves invisible to avoid being caught unawares. But in between meals they are both visible and quick tempered. They now face you furious that their meals have been interrupted and you must battle with the creatures they attack all at once okay, okay. let's battle three enemies don't look at the camera because oh my goodness <laughs> alright what, what am I doing with them uh, okay there are three enemies they are oh 
I will have to very quickly check how multiple enemies at once works. Um, if you're in a fight with more than one opponent, you must choose at the start of each attack round which of the opponents you'll be directing your attack towards. Uh, yeah. All the opponents roll with a higher Okay, cool. So basically, you roll once, I'll roll three times, and if any of the scores are higher, they that number will attack you. If your roll is higher than all of them, then you dodge them all. Okay? Okay, do they take damage from any of this? You have to direct your attack to a particular enemy. So, because these are all the same, I'm just going to go through 1, 2, and then 3. Okay. Is that a, I mean, they do have actually differing amounts of health. What, but what, I'm, what I'm asking out. is, like, is this roll that I'm about to do an attack and defense? Yes. Okay. So I'm just gonna go in chronol or uh, in 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 order. Yeah, that's fine because they're all the same creature essentially. Yeah, okay. exactly. Roll six Ooh. plus ten. Six plus ten is so sixteen. All right. So the first one hits you, uh, and you do not hit him. Uh, the second one does not hit you. The third one does not hit you. Okay, so you take uh, one damage. Okay. And roll again. 19. First one you dodge and you hit them. Second one you dodge. Third one you dodge. Alright, two damage to the first person. Okay, let's roll again. 16. Uh, you hit. You dodge, you dodge, you dodge. Uh, Alright, roll again. Alright, <laughs> the first one's still alive? First one is just about still alive. Alright, eight. So you got eighteen? Yep. Uh you hit and kill the first one. You dodge and you dodge. Okay, two enemies left. Alright, same in order. I'm hitting the second one now. Okay. Fifteen. Dodge slash hit and how much did you get? 15? Yeah. Uh, you dodged the, the second one as well. Oh, okay. uh, you hit the dude. Okay, roll. 16. Uh, you hit. You dodge. Roll again. Uh, okay. 10. Uh, 20. 20, I mean. Okay, bam. And... Roll again. Okay. 20 again. Oh my god, these rolls. Okay, you killed the second one. There is one left. Alright. Uh, four. Fourteen. Okay, he hits you. Take one damage. Alright, there we go. Luck is starting to run out, but there's only one left. Here we go. I mean, your luck hasn't changed, mate. <laughs> Nineteen. Hit. Okay. And 17. Uh, take a hit. Okay. Roll again. 18. You hit him. Roll again. Uh, 18 again. Bam, you've slain the last enemy. So 
Into I don't know why I'm like I'm, I crossed out my HP again. Just like <laughs> I assumed that I didn't get like I didn't get that hit. <laughs> oh man! Uh, just you rush for a few moments to catch your breath, and then you survey the room. Your curiosity overcomes you, and you begin to investigate the seven bodies in the room. The pug-faced orcs are dirty and smelly. You try a mouthful of flesh, but spit it out in disgust. Around their waists, they carry small bags, which, when ripped open, send a small send a shower of small bones flying across the room. The two adventurers are not much more interesting. Similar pouches contain those round pieces of shiny metal which you came across before. They scatter on the floor and you ignore them. The pack on the back of the adventurer in the winged helmet is decorated and attracts your attention. One of the straps breaks as you rip it off his back and grope clumsily inside. You feel something... Just wanted to point out, I don't know how much is left on the page. I'm just going to read this part. Yeah, finish. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And you... Oh, fuck, where was I? Uh, grope, uh, yeah, you I'm broke the pack it. as you're going to the adventure. You feel something solid. As you fumble angrily with the rucksack, a hard wooden casket drops to the ground and falls open. Inside is a small smooth... is a clear smooth flask which contains swirling purple gas. Your curiosity is captured and your huge clawed hand tries to grasp the delicate flask, but this turns out to be hopeless. Eventually you pick up the casket and drop it on the ground. As luck would have it, the flask jumps in its cradle and lands in such a way that the stopper flips out of the flask. The purple gas within swirls tempestuously, and its vapors seep slowly from the neck of the flask. And that's where we will leave it. Oh my god, am I becoming a human? Ish. Anyway. Uh, okay. <laughs> hopefully this is something very different than what we normally do for this segment of the podcast but we have done like uh readings of stuff like the eye of argon before so it seemed like it might be something that could fit um yeah. any any final thoughts before i close this out here uh if you want to continue listening to this we'll be doing this on a separate video off podcast um yeah if you're captured by it if it sounds interesting uh go for it yeah it will be on the uh the man called justice youtube channel um so if you want to check us out there we will be continuing on with this game where you'll get to see more of me fiddling around with my hands and whacking the mic with my pen um yeah anyway we're gonna call it there this is gonna be the end of segment our segment three and episode 55 of the tmcj podcast thank you all for listening and hopefully you will tune in again next week uh, d- don't be a lizard. <laughs> <laughs>